The general subject of the elders' training and the general subject of this conference, using four of those outlines, is the one new man fulfilling God's purpose for creating man. And by this expression, one new man, we mean the church corporately as the organic body of Christ. Then last night, we had a very enlightening, supplying, and refreshing word on God's purpose, His eternal purpose, in creating us human beings, and how this purpose, or that this purpose, we should say, is fulfilled by the church. So there were two main burdens in that outline and in that message. The first concerns God created us according to his eternal plan, his eternal purpose, in his image to express him. And he gave to us the responsibility of representing him with his authority and thereby dealing with God's enemy and recovering the earth for God's kingdom. According to God, this is why we human beings exist. And that picture in Genesis chapter 1 is really a picture of the church as the one new man. But in that first message, we have the creation in Genesis 1. Then the new man mentioned in Ephesians 4 along with Colossians 3. Now we need to consider there is a huge gap between God's creation of us and the existence of the church based upon Christ's redemption and his impartation of the divine life. And so a brief sketch of this, I believe, will help us all enter into uh, the message this afternoon. I repeat When God created human beings, he said, very good. Man was a living soul with his body as an organ and his spirit as an organ. He was in direct fellowship with God and under the direct rule of God. But God indicated to this man... He did this indirectly, that there's another source in this universe other than the living God. And those two sources are signified by two particular trees. The tree of life, signifying God in Christ as our life and life supply. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil the partaking of which brings in death. And the source of death 
There's Satan, the enemy of God. The fact that there are these two trees and that man was created as a human being with a will to make decisions, this indicates God has no intention of manipulating us. He didn't create robots. He didn't plant a chip in our brain to give us the illusion of freedom, but to control us from the heavens. And what happened was, the woman was deceived. The man was not deceived. That is why God holds the man, not the woman, fully responsible for the fall. Through Adam came sin and death. So Satan injected his evil nature into humankind. And this is what happened. We were created in God's image to express him. Compare that with Romans 3.23. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So instead of expressing God, we are short of the glory of God, God's expression. Everyone just expresses themselves at the best. When the enemy has ground to move in them, they express him through their self. So there goes the image. There goes the expression. Destroyed. Nowhere on the earth. Then in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, we're told directly, sin is lawlessness. And this principle of lawlessness is getting more and more manifest in this country. It will reach its peak with Antichrist. It's the total rejection of authority, of accountability, of any law applying to you. So that nullifies our representing God with his authority and defeating the enemy. So the entire human race, it is impossible for everyone who ever was born and lived on this earth whose source was the first man. It's impossible for them, really for us, to fulfill God's purpose. But God, once he sets his direction, nothing will stop him. And so what he did was to send a second man. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 43 speaks of the first man from the earth, earthy. The second man from heaven, heavenly. The second man is our Lord Jesus. Born of a virgin in order to be human without the element of sin. 
So he was absolutely human in every way as we are human, with the exception, no sin nature in him. Then for 33 and a half years, he lived a life that fulfilled God's eternal purpose. For the first 30 years, with an exception of a brief account of what happened when he was 12, it's all hidden. He was a member of a large family in poverty in a despised area. He worked as a carpenter. He was at best an ordinary looking man. Nothing particularly attractive about him physically. Then at the age of about 30, he began his public ministry. But as we read the Gospels, we see he expressed God the Father. He said, I live. Because of the Father. I do not do my own will. His will. I do not seek my own glory. I'm doing the work he gave me to do. My teaching is not mine. It's his. See, he fully expressed God. Then in his ministry... Because he was under God's authority, he could represent and exercise God's authority, and he defeated the enemy in every encounter. So he could bind up the strong man inwardly by praying, then cast out demons. So he himself The second man fulfilled the purpose for which the first man was created. Now we need to follow the next steps. What has God gained at this point? He has gained one most precious person. The complete God and a perfect man. The God-man Jesus. But God's desire is to have a corporate expression. So this is what happened. The Lord Jesus died on the cross, an all-inclusive death. By all-inclusive death, I mean he solved all problems, dealt with every negative thing, And release the divine life. So he, the second man, died on the cross. And we know from Romans 6.6 that when he died, he crucified the old man. So our old man in the sight of God has been terminated. Then, that's Romans 6, 6. Then according to Ephesians 2, while he's on the cross, he created in himself one new man. 
the second man terminated the first man, the old man, then created in himself one new man, then in his resurrection, this one new man was born. And the Son of God, who had become the Son of Man through incarnation, in his resurrection, became the firstborn Son of God, having humanity as well as divinity in his divine sonship. So this is how the church, as the corporate one new man, was brought into existence. If you consult the life study of Ephesians, I don't recall the number of the message. You will read something like this. That it is a reality in the spiritual realm that this one new man exists. Created by Christ's death, Christ on the cross, brought forth by Christ's resurrection. But the enemy fears this and will do everything possible to hide this truth from God's people. So just a brief review of the brief review of the history from 1977. I was there in Taipei when Brother Lee released these messages, you could say, far beyond his time. Just the heavens were open. It's in the book. One spirit, one body, one new man. And it was just awesome. It was amazing, the vision. Then within months, the enemy used a human agent, which he always does. He had a human agent from within the recovery. Who felt that Brother Lee should just retire and move back to Taiwan? He is the man now. This person, Max Rappaport, he's dead so I can mention his name. He is, he is the leading one. And in those days when you had phones that were several inches long and you hold them like this to your ear... You youngins might have to do a Google search to see what one of those looks like, you know, because. And then he just said, this is what he conceives himself doing. He just picks up the phone. And as the universal coordinator of the one new man, he controls and directs everything. And he continued in his rebellious ways from 1978 until about a year or so ago. This indicates in the spiritual sphere how much resistance there is to this because to some extent the enemy knows man was created to deal with him. The man Jesus destroyed him and the man Jesus created a corporate one new man and the Lord 
God will have on the earth through the local churches this universal one new man grown to maturity. And this corporate one new man will radiate. The glory of God will express God. We're being transformed from glory to glory. That will happen. It's happening. And also this corporate new man will be a warrior. Those that are seeking will be willing for the Lord to touch the principle of rebellion in their being. And deliver them from that satanic way. And the Lord will have a trained army. Through whom he can execute his victory. And when this one new man is sufficiently manifested. Do you know what will happen? Jesus comes back. That's the end of the age. So this is the overall view of what we've covering up to this message. Now we come to message two. Christ as the son of man, the second man, and the last Adam, fulfilling God's intention in creating man. So the outline is rather long, but the burden is in the last third. So I'll manage my time according to that. But what we need to see is that this God-man Jesus himself personally fulfilled Genesis 1.26. Then he crucified the old man, the first man, created the one new man. Then in resurrection, although he had a spiritual body with flesh and bones, he became the life-giving spirit to enter into all of us. Okay? And this is what is on his heart. This is the crucial matter. He wants to enter into person after person after person. Through the preaching of the gospel. Very significant. The gospel is called the gospel of the glory of God. That's the gospel that fulfills Genesis one twenty six about image. The gospel is also called the gospel of the kingdom of God. That brings us into the reality of dominion. So when this gospel is released. And faith is infused into people and they call on the Lord's name. Believe that God raised him from the death, dead. Confess Jesus is the son of God. They're born of God. Only the Lord knows in the USA how many millions of genuine believers there are. Redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Regenerated by the Spirit. We recognize all of them. We receive all of them without questioning. But I have another question. How many of these Christians, day by day, 
live like this, that I will explain, day by day. They wake up, they start a new day, then they contact the Lord and say, Lord, I turn my heart to you. And I consecrate this day to you. And I pray that today you will work yourself more into my being. Lord, make your home in my heart. Grow in me. Increase in me. Saturate me with yourself. Permeate me. Save me in your life. What is in the heart of the Lord Jesus, expressing the heart of the Father, is that his people on the earth would allow him to live the kind of life he lived on the earth in them. To allow him to live again. The eternal purpose of God fulfilling life. He knows we can't do that. We can try until we finally totally give up. We can't. But the Lord wants to do this through us and with us. And he just wants to be able to have access to our entire inner being, little by little grow in us and then live in us a life that expresses God and represents God. If you would, I recommend that you would read again the footnote one in Acts 28 about what Luke observed in Paul during the storm in the shipwreck. And that footnote tells us that in Paul, this was Jesus living again. Because only the person who is the second man, only the person who created the one new man, only he, by living in all of us, can become the corporate one new man. It's quite significant, I think, that, according to our numbering, it's not in the original Greek text, that Ephesians 3 is in between Ephesians 2 and 4. I find that very significant. In chapter 2, we have the creation of the one new man. In chapter 4, we have the one new man being put on. But there's something in chapter 3, that's the bridge. That's Paul's prayer. To the Father of glory, strengthen us with power through his spirit into the inner man so that Christ may make his home in our hearts. This is the personal side. 
I fully agree with my brother James that we're ready. We are ready. Not only the Lord is ready, the recovery is ready. Or he would not have released those messages in India. It's a golden time. And we may be inspired. We may be enlightened. We might even have a kind of fresh up consecration to the Lord. But there cannot be anything genuine, genuinely corporate that is not first genuinely personal. In order for there to be the corporate one new man expressing God and representing God, Paul realized this. Something needs to happen inside of each one of us personally. And no one can do that for you. No married brother, no one other than a married brother can say to his wife, Dear, I love you. If he doesn't say it, no one can say it. Right now we're all breathing for ourselves. There are certain things we just have to do personally. So if we want the one new man to be manifested in our lifetime, to have God's purpose fulfilled on the earth, in the midst of this age that will become more and more perverse, and it will be, this is just the beginning. But you're seeing in Washington, D.C. will only worsen. Until lawlessness prevails. But while the enemy is doing that because he's desperate, God is going to finally fulfill his purpose. With actual redeemed human beings like us. But the crucial matter is, day by day, we turn our heart to the Lord. Open our being to him and pray simply, Lord, you gave me today. Gain more ground in me today. And then if you're enlightened, you will pray, Lord, yes, I do want to be a victor. I do want to be in the wedding feast, in the kingdom. But Lord, there's something higher. Do this in me for the one new man. What would happen between now, November 16th, 2020, and December 31st, uh, 19, okay, November 16th, 2019, and December 31st, 2020, what would happen? If in all these approximately 400 days, thousands of saints, day by day, gave the Lord the maximum opportunity to work himself into them, to grow in them, to renew them, to transform them, to mature them. I do believe 
there will be a corresponding action from the throne eventually to rearrange the world situation. And one morning, depending what time zone we're in, or what time zone we think we're in, (laughs) Mark and I understand each other in this. I wish him good morning. I don't know what the electronics will be. You turn on your phone. Breaking news. Stray ballistic missile fired from Syria explodes on the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. The site is cleared. Orthodox Jews swarming on the Temple site. The leaders from the Temple Institute who now have everything ready. And then you read... Oh, there's tremendous reaction from the Arabic world. Israel knows the United States will not go to war for Israel to have a temple. So they work out an agreement with a powerful leader in Europe. And when that agreement is made, we are now in the 70th week of Daniel. There'll be three and a half years from this point on. That's when the first fruits will be raptured. The tribulation will begin. And three and a half years later, the Lord comes back. I do believe many of us, I hope all of us in this room will be alive to get that news. And you won't be panicking and saying, now I've only got three and a half years. (laughs) You will say, Lord, thank you for your mercy that I've been going on day by day. And then we know from Amos chapter 3. I just mentioned this in principle. There's a verse that says, surely the Lord God does nothing unless he reveals it to his servants, the prophets. So I am fully convinced, although we don't use designations, this is a prophet, that's an apostle. The reality speaks for itself. The Lord will give words in the ministry, and we will all know what's going on, what the Lord wants to do, and how to proceed. As I'm telling you this, Part of me is leaping for joy. This is thrilling. This is exciting. But excitement is not going to cause the manifestation of the one new man. So let's now come back to the outline. And I'll read mainly for a while because the points speak for themselves. And you'll have the morning Holy Word for Morning Revival and the church will spend a week on this. But I'll identify certain points. But when we get to the last part, we'll dwell. And then there'll be ample time, at least 30 minutes for you to respond to this. One, Christ is the Son of Man, the second man, and the last Adam. Christ is the Son of Man. Without man, 
God's purpose cannot be carried out on earth. In order to accomplish God's purpose, it was necessary for Christ to be a man. In his incarnation, Christ is the Son of Man. And he always will be. When Stephen was dying, being stoned to death, he looked up, he was absolutely in his spirit, the heavens were opened, he saw the Son of Man. And you know what the Son of Man saw? He saw himself living again in Stephen. The point is, the Lord did not put off his humanity when he ascended. We're going to marry him. We're not going to marry a pure spirit. We're going to marry the most beautiful, wonderful, lovely, attractive God-man in the whole universe. And we will be his counterpart. He became divinely human. We're becoming humanly divine. But the emphasis here is he's the son of man. Because the Lord Jesus was conceived of the Holy Spirit, he is the son of God. Because he was also conceived in and born of a human virgin, he is the son of man. On the divine side, he is the son of God. On the human side, he is the son of man. The Lord Jesus is the Son of Man in the heavens at the right hand of God since his resurrection. And he will be the Son of Man in his coming back on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The priests, when they were interrogating the Lord before his crucifixion, pressed him. Are you the Son of God? You say you're the Son of God. And he said, it is as you say. But you will see the Son of Man coming on clouds and glory. Well, don't you want to be on that cloud with him? He's not coming back alone. He's coming with his warrior bride. B, in his incarnation, Christ is the second man. And this is less familiar to us. But I believe the points are clear, extracted from the footnotes and ministry. In the entire universe, there are only two men from God's point of view. The first man, Adam, and the second man, Christ. So what happens when a person responds to the gospel through the faith given to them by God? And they believe and confess. And then we take that one to be baptized. We're having a baptism. What is taking place is a complete transfer out of the first man into the second man. We are now going to bury you in the entire old man. We put you under. I've never been in a baptism where the person just stayed under. They're all brought up. This is resurrection. This is a sign of the transfer. All of us here have experienced a great transfer. 
Praise the Lord for the ultimate transfer. We're not in the first man, we're in the second man. Two out of heaven, in verse 47, denotes both the divine origin and the heavenly nature of the second man, Christ. And so with the one new man, it won't be odd or strange, but you'll be able to sense an element that's way beyond the earth. There's just a heavenly element and a heavenly source lived out through this human being. Three, as the first man, Adam is the head of the old creation, representing it in creation. As the second man, Christ is the head of the new creation, representing it in resurrection. So another aspect experientially of our becoming the one new man in reality and practicality is that all of us, again personally, little by little, are being brought into resurrection. This is why it's so crucial We are all shepherded through what we designate the third stage of the experience of life. The stage of the cross. Eventually we are brought to the point of dealing with the natural constitution. And the goal of that is to bring our whole being, all of our God-created capacities, into resurrection. The one new man is a corporate person in the resurrection life of Christ. There's nothing natural here. There's the human element, but the human element is in resurrection. Small a. We believers were included in the first man by birth and became part of the second man by regeneration. I love to see the newborn ones, the little children of the saints, and spontaneously, I just like to bless them for the rest of their life. May the Lord bless you in every way, at every time, in every situation, for the rest of your life. You and I, we're going to be together in the New Jerusalem. This is a baby, eight weeks old. I see beyond your eight weeks. We're going to be in the New Jerusalem together. But also I have to admit, this little dear one was born in Adam. So sooner or later, all the dear ones need to be saved. Thank the Lord for children's service in the churches. My daughter was saved in children's meeting when she was in sixth grade. How wonderful, what an honorable service anyone is in that. You are helping transfer the children of the saints out of Adam into the second man. What a privilege. Little b, in regard to our being of the first man, our origin is the earth, and our nature is earthy. In regard to our being of the second man, our origin is God, and our nature is heavenly. You have a heavenly source. When we say, our Father... We're not going to be like a formal pastoral leading tomorrow morning. 
our Father. No. We have a Father. We all have the same Father. That's why I can call you sister, because I'm your brother. Really so. We have the same source and the same nature. And the more the Lord grows in us, then the more the source will be manifested and the nature will just, will just be a fragrance. You go to work. Just what comes out of your being eventually will bring a, a fellow worker to the Lord. I believe that. See, Christ is the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15.45 implies two creations. The old creation with man as a living soul to be its center. And the new creation in resurrection with the life-giving spirit as its center. Christ being the last Adam implies a termination and conclusion of the old creation. The old creation ends with a man... The last Adam. This man who terminated the old creation became in resurrection a life-giving spirit. I don't know who gets my email address. Maybe these different businesses, they sell them to each other. And I don't know how they know that I'm not a young person. But I constantly... Get these ads for anti-aging stuff. Anti-aging. That'll prevent aging. And I'd like to tell them two things. Number one, I just want to be a normal human being. If this is my stage in life, then I don't want to be anti-it. But I'm going to tell you something else. I am 20 times newer now at my age than I was when I was a young adult. I would never go back there again. Would you over 50 want to go back and go through that again? No. Going through that once was enough. That was enough, man. I don't. And, and so we, we have a renewing element. Romans talks about walking in newness of life. It's the one new man. Everything is new. The, reco- the whole recovery is going to get renewed. Newer and newer. Amen. We're going to have the Thanksgiving conference. It will be new. Amen. Brother Nee, who fully lived in resurrection and in the new creation, he said, every time I read the Bible, I read it for the first time. I'm going to be newer tonight when I put my head on my pillow than when I got up this morning. We're being renewed day by day. I believe that. Our outer man is being consumed. Okay, let it go. Right? Oh, the young people, the young adults, they go to a fitness club. I think out of narcissism. They're not concerned about their health. That's why they lift weights in front of a full-size mirror to see how they look. When I go there with my wife, it's it's to stay alive. (laughs) It's not to buff up. It's to stay alive. I'm I'm not. It's not anti-aging. It's just I want to live the full course. 
the full course. Because the most useful time starts at 60. Then it goes on to infinity. So those of you that are 60 or over, you're just about to enter into the first stage. When I turned 50, this is a little human sharing here, but there's a point hidden in it. When I turned 50, I told my daughter and sons, don't do anything. We never did anything for birthdays anyway, but I said, I warn you, this is a sad day. (laughs) This is a sad time. I don't know. But then when, when I heard Brother Lee say, oh, the most useful years are between 60 and 80. And I was 59. I was looking forward to 60. It was a happy time. But then what happened when I'm not between 60 and 80 anymore. Then I'm glad he said, oh, 80, that's the most useful time. (laughs) Brother Lee began the life study at 69. He finished it when he was 90. Then he went into the crystallization study. We're going to be new like this. Let the young be young. We don't want to put anything on you to deprive you of your youthfulness. But you just watch. You just observe. You're already doing it. So you might as well observe positively. You're going to see these older saints who know what a railing is when they go down the stairs. You don't know why it's there. Okay? We know why it's there. And you know why we descend at the the slow speed that we do and you go da-da-da-da-da. Okay? Then you just go da-da-da-da-da. But you're going to sense and you're going to be touched and you're going to be encouraged by the Lord shining out of these older saints. Just to see Sister Lee, just to meet her on the sidewalk, her smile just melted my heart. And so the best is ahead for all of us. Can we follow Paul? Forgetting the things that are behind? Let's forget the whole history of the Northwest. Let it be purged out of our being. The future is glorious. The new man will be formed here in oneness with the new man all over the earth. And I believe, I sincerely believe people from every tribe, race, nationality, skin color, social class, economic level, whatever it is, the Lord will fulfill Revelation 5. They'll come from every nation, every tribe. Everyone realized, I'm home. I'm saved from the old man. I'm in the one new man. Amen. 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 Now, two, Christ's incarnation and human living fulfilled God's intention in his creation of man. So now we need to focus on Christ himself in this section on his living on the earth. Then in the next section, we focus on his living in us. A, the incarnation of Christ is closely related to God's purpose in the creation of man in his image and according to his likeness. 
that man would receive him as life and express him in his divine attributes. The man's Savior was born of the human essence with the human virtues in order to uplift these virtues to such a standard that they can match God's attributes for his expression. So we're created in God's likeness. So God has the attribute of kindness. There is human kindness. God is love. There's in the natural human life some capacity to love those that are dear. But in the Lord Jesus, the divine life was mingled with humanity and uplifted the human virtues to match the divine attributes. So that when you meet him and you experience love, you hardly know, is that love divine? Is that love human? Eventually, you stop trying to figure it out. It is the divine love as as an attribute expressed through the uplifted human virtue of love. And so the humanity is there, the genuine humanity of the saints. And they're not aware of it because this is life and life is spontaneous. The kindness of God and God in his kindness is being expressed to you for their kindness toward you. This is what happened in the Lord Jesus. One under B. As the one who was conceived of the divine essence with the divine attributes to be the content and reality of his human virtues, Christ fills the empty human virtues. So we need to realize realize this about ourselves. Without Christ as the content, we're just an empty vessel. And because the human vessel is empty, and because human beings cannot bear to be empty, they try to fill the vessel with something else. Because to be empty is just unbearable. So now it's Saturday night. Many working hard all week, looking forward to the weekend. Now they'll try for a few hours to fill their empty vessel. But what a mercy. We can come here in the mid-afternoon, have a dinner break, come back in the evening, and get our vessel filled with the triune God. What a wise way to use our time. Two, the divine attributes fill, strengthen, enrich, and sanctify the human virtues for the purpose of expressing God in the human virtues. So when we're in the self, we express the self. Even if there are some virtues, it's still the self. But when Christ lives in us, the life he lived that we're describing here, then more and more, the divine attributes are expressed through human virtues. 
And God the Father has ordained that most of our time is spent in ordinary things. In one of his books, Brother Lee has a message about the Christian life is a life of ordinary days in the divine dispensing. So we need to spend time working. That's a law that we work, take care of our family, other things. But more and more, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, the divine attributes are expressed through the human virtues. I believe many, many will be saved. That will be fruit-bearing. Many will be drawn to that. C. Through his incarnation, Christ brought the infinite God into the finite man. D. Christ is both the complete God and the perfect man, possessing the divine nature and the human nature distinctly. E. Christ is the God-man, a person who is the mingling of divinity with humanity. Okay, I'd like to ask a question, but gently, okay, gently. Because uh, it's not intended to instill any kind of guilt, okay, or self-judgment. So the question will be in two parts. When you are contacting the Lord, especially at the beginning of a new day, do you sense the need for Christ as the reality of the offerings? Is this in your prayer at all? Well, it shouldn't be in our prayer as a formality. But physically, we all, there's certain things I do every morning. I get up, I shower, I shave, I take care of the physical need, I dress properly for work. But at the same time, I begin the day with the same realization. I have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus. I can come to the Lord as I am because of his blood. And Lord, I need you. I need you as the sin offering. My body is still a flesh of sin. I'm capable of any failure. I need you, Lord, as the trespass offering. The unlimited trespass offering. I won't go through them all, but the second question is, have you ever prayed about Christ as the meal offering? I began to do this many years ago, went through various situations with their failures. I realized something, that my humanity is irreparably damaged. So many of the problems that I participate in or that I cause in family life or whatever, fake mistakes, failures, are due to my humanity. My person is just wrong. Then I began to realize there is an offering that addresses this need. And that is the meal offering. 
the God-man Jesus in his humanity. And that offering is offered to God and it's also consumed. What did the Lord Jesus say in John six fifty seven? As the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, he who eats me, he shall live because of me. I cannot live without the meal offering. I know what will happen. I know what kind of day. I know what kind of reaction I will have. The flesh doesn't change. And how wonderful that we have this person with all of these virtues mingled with his divinity. And he's the person that fulfilled God's purpose. And we'll see more and more. He's the person who wants to live that purpose-fulfilling life in us. He wants us to stop. Whenever we read a word in the scripture that is a command, like husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that's not advice. That is an apostolic command with authority. There should be a response on three levels. First is, Amen, Lord. This is your word. The second is, Lord, I can't do this. I can't do this. Then the third comes from the Lord. I know you can't. Let me do it. Let me live. Then you find out how simple the Christian life is in this sense. Just to let him live. Uh, F. Christ expressed in his humanity the bountiful God in his rich attributes through his aromatic virtues. Remember? He stopped by this tax office or whatever it was. Matthew was there. He called Matthew, follow me. He left everything to follow the Lord. And then we read, he had a dinner in his house. And he invited his friends, and, and all of his friends were tax collectors and sinners. And the Lord Jesus was there with the disciples. How could they be attracted to such a kind of, allow me to say this, ordinary looking, Jewish carpenter. There's just something aromatic about him. We're told in one verse, he was the friend of sinners. We're told in Hebrews 7, he was separate from sinners. So as the God-man in his divinity, he's separate from sinners. He would not allow sin in others to contaminate him. On the other hand, in his divinity, he was a friend of sinners. I can understand religion frightens people. But Jesus draws them. Here is a person. Do you know why he came? He came to save sinners. Paul declared this. God sent his only begotten son into the world to save sinners. He's the shepherd who came to find the lost. He's the shepherd who came to heal the sick. 
what a wonderful person he is. And the Lord longs that unsaved people all over will have an opportunity to at least one time to see such a testimony from a real Christian. Someone you work with. Someone in a class with you. Whatever. So one, Christ expressed the divine attributes of love, light, holiness, and righteousness. Christ's aromatic virtues include his mercy, compassion, meekness, forbearance, lowliness, obedience, faithfulness, and truthfulness. Please remember Luke 15. When the prodigal son decides to come home, where's the father? In his den? Sitting in a a recliner? He's outside. When he sees the son coming, what feeling does he have? Compassion. What action does he take? He runs and embraces him. This is God. This is God. Religion distorts the representation of God to the uttermost. But the one new man will testify. My God, my Father, is the one who is moved with compassion. When I made my effort to try to come. And he ran to meet me. And he covered me with the best robe. Christ is my righteousness. Then we had an enjoyable love feast. This is our God. This is the God, the man Jesus expressed. This is the God, the one new man will express to the whole human race. Gee, as the first God man, Christ lived as a man But he did not live by man's life to express him in man's virtues. This is quite a lesson. He lived in his humanity, but he denied his natural humanity and lived by the Father. In his God-man living, the Lord's mind, will, and emotion were organs containing God's life and God's mind, will, and emotion. And, okay, as I just look at you, I have the full assurance that all of this is going to happen inside of you. You're going to be just like this. This was decided in the eternity past when God chose you to be holy. Didn't ask your permission. It was settled before he created the universe. He predestinated you unto sonship. You have been predestinated to be conformed to the image of the firstborn son of God. It's just a matter of when this happens. But a real God man who is part of the one new man. I read this again. I like the Lord's living. The Lord's mind, will, and emotion were organs 
containing God's life, God's mind, will, and emotion. This is going to happen in you. Then you can converse with someone in a very human way. But you are in the mingled spirit. You are taking Christ as your person. He's living in you. And your thoughts are God's. Your feeling are God's. What a, what a blessing it would be for children to grow up in a family like this. Of course, we parents, we don't arrive at this level of maturity until the kids are on their own. <laughs> but it's in our heart that others would learn a little faster than we did. Consider Paul in 1 Corinthians 7. He's being barraged with questions about marriage. And these are, these are difficult. So for the first batch, he has a revelation from God. Then they ask him a particular, a particular matter. And he says, I don't have a word from the Lord. So I'll tell you my opinion. He's honest. I'm just going to tell you what I think. So he tells us what he thinks. And then he says, you know what? I think I had the spirit. And when we read it, we realize this man's opinion expressed God's opinion. Okay? Okay? I can sense you are open vessels. So whether right now you can believe this or not, I don't care. I believe it. And I'm going to be one with the Lord to infuse this faith into you. You are right now in the process of becoming this kind of person. Amen. Yes, it happened to Paul, who was breathing out murder and wanted to kill us and destroy the churches. God had mercy on him and made him a pattern to all of us. And so, I think we can rightly say, I admit, Lord, I admit, I'm not being falsely humble. The Lord knows my inner being. I'm a challenge to you. I am a challenge. But Lord, if you can gain Saul of Tarsus, I believe you can gain even me. So I'm just going to let you do it. Okay? I'm just going to let you do it for your glory. H, in his God-man living, the Lord Jesus never did anything out of himself, did not do his own work, did not speak his own word, did everything not by his own will and did not seek his own glory. Only he is like this. Don't try to imitate him. Just let him live. Let him express himself through you. I, in his living, the Lord Jesus achieved the greatest thing in the universe. He expressed God in his humanity. So what kind of joy will there be in the heavens when the Son of Man at the throne, conversing with the Father, says, I'm looking at the situation in my recovery on the earth. Do you know what I see? I see the greatest thing in the universe. I am expressed through this corporate new man. Father, I think it's time to end the age. How do you feel? I agree. 
So let's arrange the world situation. Okay? Agreed. The father decides. The son is the administrator. He carries it out. This, to me, is not a dream. I live for this. This is where we're headed. Now, the last section. And you're going to get your 30 minutes. Yes. Christ, God, man, living, constituted him to be a prototype so that he may now be reproduced in us and live again in us. Now, let me read it again, representing all of us. Christ, God, man, living, constituted him to be a prototype so that he may now be reproduced in me and live again in me. It's actually easy for me to believe this will happen in you. (laughs) What takes the faith is to believe this is going to happen to me. But he's just able to do it and I'm willing for him to do it and I'll open my being to him. And I'm honest with him. I can tell him, Lord, just do what you need to do. Go where you need to go. Touch what you need to touch. I probably will react sometimes. But don't stop. Don't stop. The reaction is just a reaction. I'm not changing my mind. It's just a reaction. Lord, just don't stop. Do it thoroughly. Make your home in my heart completely. The Gospel of Luke records the history of the God-man living of the first God-man. Now, this history needs to be written into our being. When the Lord Jesus saves us, he comes into us as the one with the human virtues filled with the divine attributes. As the life-giving spirit, he enters into us to bring God into our being and to fill our virtues with God's attributes. You know the difference between a patient person and an impatient person? The difference is 10 minutes. It's not when you blow. It's not whether you blow. It's when you blow. Okay. And so, but God knows how to wait. In in a certain sense, I don't want to say too much. I, I got saved in 1955. The Lord knows. I've been spending most of that time waiting. Waiting on God. Waiting on Him. And eventually, it, I came across that verse and it's opened up from Isaiah. Those that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. So even if we have to wait, it's not easy. Some prayers are answered right away. There's an unanswered prayer going on in me right now. Been 22 and a half years. No answer. But... Christ is my capacity to wait. If I try to wait, you know the story. As the life-giving spirit, he enters into us 
to bring God into our being and to fill our virtues with God's attributes. Such a life saves us from within. It saves us from within. We've already known the difference in a certain day when we've touched the Lord and when we haven't. The difference inwardly. Then there's a difference outwardly. Such a life saves us from within and uplifts our human virtues, sanctifying and transforming us. The Christ who lives in us is still the one who possesses the human virtues, strengthened and enriched by the divine attributes. This is what's in my heart for us to see. The one who lived this way in the Gospels is the one living in us right now, the same person. The Christ who is being dispensed into us is a composition of the divine nature with its divine attributes and the human nature with its human virtues. Christ is now seeking to live in the believers the kind of life that he lived on earth. Within us, he is still living a life that is a composition of the divine attributes and the human virtues. This is what's in his heart. He knows where we are. He wants us to come to him as we are based upon his redeeming blood and his being the reality of all the offerings. And then we open to him and invite him to continue this work within us. Little by little, day by day. I never try to make artificial flowers, I suppose. If someone were here and taught us, we could make it during the dinner break. Here's some artificial roses. But to grow real roses takes time. So I think we've all agreed we're tired of the artificial. We're tired of the self-effort. Let's just all settle for the real thing. Read at the end of Ephesians 4.24, you put on the new man in the righteousness and holiness of the reality. The reality. D. If we would become a reproduction of the first God-man and live Christ as the God-man, we must be reborn of the pneumatic Christ in our spirit. Amen. That's happened. And be transformed by the pneumatic Christ in our soul. So we all, with unveiled face, beholding and reflecting the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Now let me tell you, in my traveling, when I visit places, Yearly, like we've been doing here. I'm never political. I'm not a diplomat. I don't fear man. I don't serve out of fear of man. I'm not a man pleaser. I can only speak the truth. But I can tell you, right now, in this meeting, there's significantly more glory in this part of the country than there was one year ago. From glory the glory. E, when we love the Lord, pursue him and fellowship with him, we spontaneously 
live in a condition that is beyond human description. You won't understand your own life. It's just beyond human description. We live not according to the environment, but according to the Lord's moving and teaching within us. Jacob learned this the hard way. He encountered an environment the day after his wedding. And in the tent was someone he expected not to be there. And the one he expected to be there was nowhere to be found. And clever Laban was behind the scheme. He didn't kneel down, raise his hands, and say, all Leah's work together for good. There's no way he could accept that. We're all the same. But eventually, as he matured, whatever the Lord wanted to do, he would agree. Then he could look back on his life and speak of the one who shepherded me all my days long. Right? All my days. And so if you're learning this, you're a learner. We all go through this. And I don't know how you learn. I learned mainly by three things. First is revelation. The second is mistakes. And the third is contacting the Lord. <laughs> I'm not advocating that. I'm just saying that's, <laughs> that's just the story of my life, including today. Today was not a mistakeless day. If you had one, good for you. <laughs> but I learned from that mistake. And now there's a little more God because of that mistake. Okay? And two, the last point. When we open ourselves to the Lord, love him, and desire to be joined to him, we are fulfilled and possessed by him and live out the glory of divinity and the virtues of humanity. So this is where we're all going. We will all arrive at a full-grown man. We're in different stages. That's normal because we're a big family and we care for one another and we learn from one another. And so we have almost, we have 29 minutes. It's 5.01 by the clock I have here. So what do we do? We have sharing now? Okay. And how long should they speak? One minute to start? Okay, one minute max. And when the piano sounds or someone sounds, regard that as the voice of God <laughs> telling you to stop. 